Amen. Thank you guys for leading us in worship. Uh, this little verse keeps ringing in my mind. It's been ringing in my mind all week. It's a, a group of verses that my dad had me memorize when I was a boy, and, and, and this one line keeps coming to my mind. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. That's from Psalm 23. Some of you may have memorized it as well. Uh, it's, it's this great verse that brings calm, certainly in times of trouble. As a boy, I, I just memorized it, and it was, it was good. And then in my late 20s, I read this book by Tony Evans called, called Our God is Awesome, and he dedicated a section to that psalm. And it, it helped me understand it even more. And that's kind of how it works. And kids, if you're watching right now, it's kind of how it works. Your parents often will give you something to learn, and you take it in and maybe even memorize it. And then the hope is from your parents is that one day you'll make it your own. It really, this, this chapter in the Bible became my own, reading that book in my late 20s. And, and I, I love this psalm. It produces this rest and calm in a time that's really anxious. I was at Aldi this morning. It was really anxious in there. Um, and then some of us that are believers, we don't really know how to rest because we like to do. And so if they have us stay in our homes, we're kind of freaking out. How do we serve the Lord if we can't move? Um, this psalm, I think, will focus us in on how we can rest in Jesus. So I'd just like to spend a little bit of time in it. First, though, for those of you that are a part of Radius, we suffered some uh, losses this week. Um, everybody suffered some kind of loss. A lot of them are just trivial, right? Folks in Sierra Leone will laugh at this, but some of us here, we, we like to go to the same restaurant and sit in the same booth and, and, and eat there. And, and we've, we've lost that because the restaurants are closed. Our kids can't play sports. Again, these things aren't that big of a deal, but they're kind of who we are, and, and, and so already we, we miss them. The folks that own those restaurants or own those sporting event places, they're suffering at a whole other level because it's, it's taxing their income. We lost school. We didn't know we'd miss school, but now we really miss school because parents are having to do some extra work at home, and that's shocking a little bit, and kids are missing their friends We've uh, lost colleges. I mean, the kids are at home from college. Some folks are already losing some work. Certainly people's investments are in jeopardy. So there's loss across the board, and it kind of works from the trivial on where you sat at a restaurant to uh, losing your job. But then there's some ultimate losses, and the ultimate loss in our world since creation is, is death. And this week we, we suffered an ultimate loss at Radius Church, and truly, the loss of Toby Kirkland, who uh, passed away this week, was a loss to the church at Lexington, to, to all the churches in Lexington, because he was a great man of God. I don't know if you knew Toby. Uh, he'd be a little upset that I'm talking about him right now, if you, if you, if you didn't know him. Uh, he was in his 40s, and he lost his life on Thursday morning. Let me just, just bring this to life for you. On Wednesday night, uh, he had Wednesday afternoon, he had surgery, and Wednesday night, he felt well. I heard multiple jokes. He told his kids on Wednesday night, and Thursday morning, he was gone. And that is a massive loss, certainly to the Kirkland family, to our church, and to the church. Now, if you know the Kirklands, this is how they work. They're crying and making jokes at the same time. But literally, one of the first things Stacy says to me Talking about her husband who's lost is it? she said he already named, he was so looking forward to March Madness, which started on Thursday, that he changed the name of it to March Sadness, which evidently is now being spread across the internet. 
that he, he didn't even want to participate in life anymore because he was missing watching his blue, Duke Blue Devils play in the national tournament. I don't know if you know Toby very well, but he pulled big time for the Duke Blue Devils in basketball and big time for the USC Gamecocks in football. You, you know, you kind of got to offset your losses, and I guess that's the way he did it. But he was a big fan of both teams, and he, he was just like, he was all-around good guy. Now, in our culture, we throw that around all the time. We talk about being a good guy. Doesn't really mean a lot. A lot of times people say he was a good guy, and he'd do anything for you. But in this case, Toby was way more than just a simple good guy. Uh, he loved well. He loved his sons. Got two sons, if you don't know him, and many of you won't, named uh, Creed and Case. And uh, he led them. He built them. He spent time with them. I've seen him be frustrated with them. He disciplined them. He worked as a father of an 18-year-old and a 20-year-old. He loved his wife. Everybody talks about his love for Stacy. if you know him. Uh, we say that oftentimes when folks pass away. We talk about their love for their spouse, but with Toby, it was a whole nother level. Uh, Stacy said being married to him was her favorite thing in life. What a great testimony. I've actually heard multiple other ladies say that when they hear Stacy say that and have heard her say it in the past, it really made them examine their own marriage. And so there's this discipleship thing going on uh, just by the words coming out of her mouth and certainly out of the way Toby loved her. It's a massive loss when we lose somebody who loved well just in the house. But I'm going to go ahead and tell you, all the way in Sierra Leone, this guy was more than just a good husband and good father. Toby, uh, from pretty early age, asked his wife to pray for wisdom for him. He wanted to grow in wisdom. And so he's asked many people, hey, if you pray for me, pray that I would grow in wisdom. And because of that wisdom, he uh, was able to take what he knew about God and give it away to others. There's, there's a list of guys uh, that will be taken in this, this video right now that are disciples of Toby Kirkland that look like him because he invested that wisdom in them and time. One of the guys told me yesterday when he was in eighth grade, he met Toby at a table uh, at, at, in, in a small group of students. Toby took an interest in him. He said he'd literally show up at Toby's house. It was young, Toby was a young married man, and they played ping pong for two hours as Toby invested in him. So that's Jesse. If you know Jesse, a big part of who Jesse is is because of Toby Kirkland. If you know Sean, Sean Cruz, a big part of who Sean is because of Toby Kirkland. And we could go down the list. Radius, if uh, you're wondering what we're dreaming about, we're dreaming about you young men looking like Toby Kirkland. He's strong, but he knew how to love. If you know Toby, he was an introvert and uh, didn't really love being around people all the time, but he would push through that so that he could have relationships, so he could represent Jesus and pass along this wisdom that God had passed on to him. I don't know if you uh, know the military terms. They've got this variety of ranks. I was reading through them today, and I was just thinking about how much we lost. And we lost a master sergeant. He, he had the ability to lead. He led for us. He was an elder here at Radius. He's the first elder we've ever lost. He, uh, he led over at First Baptist for a number of years when he was younger. He led worship. He led in students. He's, 
led and volunteered and given, as has Stacy, to the church at large in Lexington for years on end. And he'll be deeply missed. I was just thinking, uh, he's probably in heaven meeting another friend of ours that we lost in the last 12 months, 240-somethings here at Radius. They were mo both master sergeants. And I imagine right now, Toby uh, right there in heaven shaking hands with Chris McCutcheon. Toby looking Chris in the eyes, and Chris got a great handshake, so I'm sure it was a nice, firm handshake, and Toby gave it back. And Toby looking at Chris and saying, I wish he'd stop talking about me. And anybody who knows Toby, that you know that's exactly what he said. And, that, and then I imagine Chris looking back in the eyes and saying, it's okay, don't worry. He's about to talk about Jesus. And that we will. I want to just say this. Right now, it's okay to grieve. We'll grieve that loss for a little while. I would even tell you that it's healthy to grieve. For some of y'all at home, I, 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 it'd be a cool exercise for you just to walk your kids through grieving some of the simple things that they've lost. It's this healthy thing to do when you do it with God. We know God is sovereign. So there's no doubt in our mind that he's sovereign. We even know, based on the New Testament, that the New Testament would call Toby asleep. And we have all that hope in us as followers of Jesus because of the resurrection. But there's something really healthy about grieving together and grieving with God and doing it as a community. I just want to encourage you. And it's even cool to grieve some of these smaller things that you've lost in the last little bit. The freedom to drive around, the freedom to... Go and play sports. It's really good to walk our kids through it, even as we talk about a massive loss like the life of Toby Kirkland. I thought what I'd like to do this morning is take you to this little chapter in the Bible my dad taught me as a kid and walk you through how to grieve, how to process with God, how to recognize who he is when things are really hard. Some of you, this will just be a review, and this chapter in the Bible you've heard many times, and hopefully it'll be a really good review, and for some of you, it'll be the first time you've heard it. So I, I look forward to you taking it in. Psalm 23 starts like this. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now this is out of New King James. I learned in King James, so I thought we'd throw back and, and, and work through it in that translation. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord the Lord, the Hebrew word there is Yahweh. It's Yahweh Rohi, which means the self-revealing one. He makes himself known. He's the self-revealing one. I don't know if you remember, but in John 10, verse 11, Jesus actually speaks of himself and he says, I am the good shepherd. I don't know if you know this, but in the New Testament, over 700 times the writers of the New Testament refer, refer to Jesus as Lord. And he says, I am the good shepherd. So when you read this, very, it's very appropriate to think of God the Father, Yahweh, and Jesus. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is. Not was, not will be. He is right now. He's your shepherd. The Lord is my, my shepherd. It's personal. He, he's, he knows my name. He knows how many rolls of toilet paper are in your house right now. He knows how you feel about all this. He knows if you're anxious. He knows all. He's personal. The Lord is my shepherd. Shepherd assumes something. 
<laughs> I hope not to offend you with this, but it assumes that you understand that you're a sheep. And sheep are not exactly known for their prowess. They are weak. They oftentimes are dirty. Uh, they're not that smart. There's this assumption when we say the Lord is my shepherd that we understand who we are and who he is, that he's the one that guides us, that we need him. And so the passage, it, it approaches that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. When I was a kid, I could not figure that out. How is he my shepherd if I don't want him? Well, that's not what it's saying. It's actually saying that he's my shepherd and I won't be in need. He's going to take care of all my needs. And one of the really important things to do right here in this season is to recognize him as the provider and recognize me as the needy. I tend to be one who wants to uh, rise up and solve all my own problems. I don't know about you. This is a good, need, uh, good season, like the NLT reads, to say, I have, I have all that I need because of the good shepherd. So I'd like to just walk you through the rest of this passage because when we think about our needs, uh, Tony Evans actually breaks this passage down into this variety of needs, and I thought I would share his outline with you. He first addresses the writer, David, who was a shepherd when he was a boy and now is shepherding the people of Israel, a, a massive nation at this point. And, and so he knows all about shepherding. He's, he's addressing them and saying, this is how God the Father is going to meet our needs. New Testament, this is how Jesus would meet our needs, our spiritual needs. Verse 2, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. My favorite Two words in there were makes and restores. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Some of y'all are being made to stay home right now. And that's probably really good for you. It's probably really good for your family. I heard of one dad uh, tell me that they've invented this uh, tennis ball game they play in their cul-de-sac where they try to bounce the tennis ball into the newspaper holder. And they, for many hours have attempted to bounce that tennis ball and they back up and they have to back up and there's this competition going on and that's beautiful that's restful when you read this passage he makes me to lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside still waters that's he's, it's not actually this picture of provision like food to eat for the sheep but a place that's safe and quiet and restful i'm gonna tell you as americans as hard as this is the stories that i'm hearing from you our people that we're sitting with our families around the dinner table, that we've slowed, man, that's all good. I love this line, I always have, that he restores my soul. Cheryl likes to show on HTTV. It's, uh, it's got this massive guy on it named Ben. He's as big as the door frames and his wife named Aaron, and they restore homes. They live in this little town in Mississippi, and they go from home to home, and and uh, they, they restore them. They bring them back to life. Now, I, I need to explain something to you. That they, they have to tear some out to make that house what it used to be. So for some of y'all, if you want your soul restored, you have to have some cabinets ripped out. That tile in the bathroom has got to go. The paint on the front door is going to have to be fully removed and then repainted. But there's the potential that if you'll rest in the presence of God during this season, and you got no excuse because time is on your hands, that he could restore your soul, that you could be what you used to be. Some of you haven't talked to him in a while. This would be the moment to 
ask him to restore your soul. It takes care of your spiritual needs. It takes care of your directional needs. The pastor says, he leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. I don't know about you, but one of my favorite things in life are moments where I feel like the Lord's leading me and I have the opportunity to be just obedient. For those of y'all over at White Knoll, I can still remember walking out my back door. We were living in Iowa as a family and, and really feeling compelled by God that we were being led to lead Radius White Knoll. And a little lump came up in my throat, and I went back in and told Cheryl. And a few months later, Todd and I talked about us coming down leading Radius White Knoll. And it was, it was uh, this wonderful season of our lives. My mom has had to live with a son who is led different places. So she's probably, my mom's crying right now. Mom, by the way, I wore my best shirt, and if I was standing up, you could see I'm wearing slacks. You'd be proud of me. Be proud of me today. But there's, there's this, this pain for a mother when your son is led places away from you. But it seems to be, and she gets it, and that's, that's what I love about my mom and dad, that that's oftentimes when I've been led away, and maybe you've been led away, and sometimes being led doesn't mean leaving town. Sometimes it doesn't mean you got to move houses. It might be led to, to take care of somebody at school or somebody in the neighborhood, but there's this possibility that if we follow when he gives us direction, that it says that, it, it says that it's for his name's sake. Chris Seabee often says that we want to make Jesus famous in Lexington. Well, that's true uh, downtown at Southside, and that's true all the way in Sierra Leone, that we, the body of Christ, being led by him, Hope to, make him, hope to make him famous. Directional needs and then uh, emotional needs. That first passage that I quoted, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I don't know if you know how this works, but uh, sheep w- would be led all over the place, and, and, uh, and certainly David would know about leading them from mountain to mountain and through the valley. And, Oftentimes they would say, say that sheep, certainly in the valley, would feel exposed to, to predators that could come and take their lives. And again, they're not up for much of a fight. They don't have any fangs and, and not a whole lot of muscle. And, and, and out in the middle, in the valley, they would be exposed. And so they'd be walking along with the shepherd. And then eventually the sun would start dipping behind one of the mountains and it would cause a shadow throughout the valley and the sheep would begin to feel like it was night and it would create fear in them and so they'd move up closer to the shepherd for for his protection. Years ago, uh, we had a little youth group at Concord Community, and I took some of our boys on a, uh, on a trip, and we're coming back through Asheville, and if you guys remember my cars, still my cars today, you never know if one's going to break down. We broke down in the Asheville Mountains on the way back, and uh, I had like three young men with me in their, in, in their early teens, and we had to walk like three miles in the dark. It was awesome. I thought it was awesome. Most of these boys grew up in a neighborhood that was pretty rough. And so uh, a lot of times I go hang out with them. They, they, we walk by the crack house. They'd walk up to the door. They were fearless in their neighborhood. But I'm going to tell you, in the mountains, in Asheville, in the dark, every noise that they heard, they would jump right up to my hip. They wanted to be protected. They were trusting me as their shepherd. I looked like I know what I was doing in the dark, in the mountains. And that is certainly the way we as sheep are supposed to respond. This is a beautiful read. Yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow, even though I'm in the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You you feel the decision in there for us, certainly during this season of the coronavirus. I will fear no evil. Why? 
for you are with me. And we move up closer to, I hope that this season is a season where you move up closer to the Lord, the good shepherd. He says that he moves up closer to the Lord and he says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I don't know if you know this, but the rod is like a club. So if a hyena were to come or a wolf were to come, literally, these shepherds bad to the bone. Young, young boys even would take that club and whack it, whack it on the head. They, they beat it down and then it would scamper away off them. If you hit it just right, it might kill it because he's going to protect the sheep. And then the staff, even when the sheep would get off track, the staff had a hook on it. And the shepherd could take his staff and reach it out and pull the sheep, oftentimes out of briars, places that he was stuck or lost in a ditch and was not strong enough to get up. The, the shepherd could take his staff and reach in and pull him to safety. I heard it said that the rod, that the club shows us the power of God that's with us. And at the same time, the, the, the uh, staff with its hook on it shows the grace of God that reaches out to us even when we're far from God. You, you know, the guy who wrote this, David, he wrote about half the Psalms. Uh, he was far from God a number of times. One time in particular where he had sinned grossly against God, against his brother Uriah, a brother as far as a, a, a fellow Israelite, and uh, against his wife Bathsheba. They sin he sinned. And you can imagine as he, as he reflects on this psalm, when he says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, sometimes we walk ourselves into the valley of the shadow of death by the bad decisions we make. And sometimes they're forced on us. But the Lord has this staff, and if we repent, he's very willing to, in his grace, pull us back to himself. Sometimes he actually pulls us back to repentance. It's shocking. Our God is shocking in how he shepherds us. He takes care of our emotional needs. Why no fear? Because you are with me, he says. Physical needs. I was most curious about this as I read it, thinking about this virus spreading across our country and the world. He says about the shepherd, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. So you can imagine the shepherd's got a little belt on in the belt. As I read this week, uh, sometimes he'd have a cup, and, and then he has a little pouch that he has, and, and then, then a, a, like a little cloth. You can imagine him taking some food out of, out of the little pouch and taking a lost sheep out in the middle of all of his enemies, enemies all through the woods, out here in, in the valley, in front of everybody, and he puts a little food on the cloth and spreads it out, out in, in the grass, and the sheep come and take the sustenance from the shepherd, and, and they can do it in a relaxed way. Why? Because the shepherd's there, because he's watching. And then the shepherd might take him down to the brook, dip the cup in the brook, and, and the cup's running over. It's, it's splashing. I don't know if you ever do this. You're carrying something through the house. It's splashing because you're hurrying. He's hurrying this cup to, to refresh the sheep to the sheep, and, and the sheep takes in the water, and he's refreshed. I want to remind you, man, I don't know what your eyes are on right now. It might be on your bank account. It might be on your investments that our Lord says he'll take care of your physical needs. I think by nature as Americans, we want to take care of our own needs. And nothing wrong with working hard, investing for the future, having plans. But this is one of those seasons where our very bottom line has got to be that he's our provider. I want to ask you something. 
Do you believe that? I mean, at your deepest level, do you believe that he'll take care of you physically? That he's going to take care of your family eating? I'm going to tell you. Uh, I've been at a couple stores in the last couple of days. I'm not sure people people are freaking out. They feel the utter pressure to provide for their families. And, 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 and we should. It's my job as a dad to provide for my family. But in the end, when I can't, I'm trusting that he can. Tony Evans had a great little quote. He says, God does not stop meeting the needs of his children before it's time to die. It was an interesting quote. It's not, it's not a fun quote. He's going to take care of all my physical needs. I'm going to eat. I'm going to be provided for. I'm going to have everything until it's, until it's time for the end. It's a deep thought. And I'm here to tell you today, if you're restless at home and you're wondering how all that's going to work out, you're wondering where your job's going to be in the future, we, the followers of Jesus, we're going to do this together. We're the body of Christ, and we're going to trust him to be that provider. And finally, your eternal needs. The verses read like this, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The little church I grew up in, there used to be an old man, he'd sit in the back, and we had kind of an open sharing service. And, and uh, at the end of every other week or so, he would just start singing this, Surely goodness and mercy. And he, he would sing out these verses. I always wondered what they meant. We, he'd sing them out, and then, then he passed away, and another old man took up his, his mantle, and he would start singing. Now, at my church, you didn't actually have to hit the note necessarily. All you had to do was know the first line, and then everybody else would jump in and celebrate that God provides our eternal needs. It's a pretty interesting line in there. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. What does that mean? God's goodness and mercy will follow me. Tony Evans called them sheepdogs, sheepdog named goodness and a sheepdog named mercy. And they run along chasing the flock of God, the sheep of God, barking and trying to keep us in line and keep us in, in, in a flock all together. They might nip at your ankles every once in a while just to put a little fear in you, remind you of the goodness and mercy of God. New Testament Romans says that God's kindness leads us to repentance. I, I need you to understand that potentially this crazy season that we're in and some of the stress that you're under might be God's kindness. It might be leading you to repentance. That sheepdog of kindness, loving kindness, might be chirping at you and nipping at your heels to try to get you to see what you actually have in God and see what you have in those folks that are around the, the dining room table, to see what you have in those parents that have cared for you for all these years. He might be trying to renew a uh, deep understanding of him and give you hope for the future. I love it that he says surely. He doesn't say hopefully or maybe or probably. He says surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. They'll chase after me, and I imagine he's chasing after you now. And then the last line, which is beautiful, and I love the way it's laid out because this is a poem or a song written by David, and it says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord, and then it, it says for the last line this idea, forever, everlasting. I left off the end of that one verse in John chapter 10 because it's got this interesting uh, line. I read you John 10, I mean John 10, 11, the first half and the second half reads like this. The first half says, I am the good shepherd. The second half says this, 
the good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. What a powerful statement about Jesus, our Lord, the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. His life was given up first. And so right now we can celebrate across the world via this video. We celebrate the fact that Jesus Christ, the good shepherd, gave up his life so that when we talk about something like the loss of life of Toby Kirkland this week, that we look forward to seeing him again. Because there's this promise, it's from Psalm 23 all the way to John chapter 10, that we, the followers of Jesus, will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Another little verse I learned as a boy, is actually the verse my dad walked me through when I came to Jesus, it was John 3.16. It ends with the, in, a, in a climactic kind of way. And if you know Stacy, I'm going to tell you right now, she wants you to celebrate. She wants you to celebrate who Toby was. But even as we sat together just the other day, she, she wants you to celebrate the wins. She wants you to celebrate the things that you've been given. And, and, and we have been given this hope that's supposed to shine right now all the way through our neighborhoods and places where, where even if we got to stay at home, it's supposed to shine that we have this confidence that we're going to live forever. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but then that last line, but have everlasting what? Life. We should have everlasting life. So when you read, when you read Psalm 23, I'll dwell in your house of the Lord forever. You have everlasting life. There's this confidence for us as we face this pandemic that could cost some of our loved ones their life. Uh, we have this hope like no other. We should be leading that. We should be leading with that hope. Love y'all. Let me pray for you now. Jesus, listen to us as we worship. We call you the good shepherd. We know that you proved what a great shepherd you were when you died on the cross. When we're together, Lord, we take some juice and some bread and we, we break the bread and we drink the juice and we remember your broken body and we celebrate what a great shepherd you are for us. We pray in your name, Jesus. Listen to us as we worship now in Jesus' name. Amen.